As an Alliant Energy representative, I really enjoy helping businesses save. Today, I visited a business that asked for a free energy audit. After walking through their facility, I let the customers know how much money and energy they could be saving. Plus, I gave them an action plan detailing how to improve their energy efficiency. I showed them how they could save even more with rebates from Alliant Energy on equipment upgrades. If you are interested in saving energy and money, schedule a free energy audit at AlliantEnergy.com slash energy audit. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. You're listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome in, everybody, to... The Huddle Up Podcast, presented as always by Mile High Huddle and 24-7 Sports. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me in person, live in the flesh, is your Denver Broncos reporter for 24-7 Sports. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, what a day. Wednesday, the opening day of the Combine. We got GMs walking around. We got coaches talking to us. What's good, bro? Let me just say, it's amazing to do this in person for once. It's so much better. You can agree with that. Second of all, you are like me. We are both poop from today. We are extremely tired. We've been up since 8 a.m. bringing you guys written content, videos, now a podcast, live streams. We hope you enjoyed it. It's been a whirlwind day. We've learned a lot about the Broncos from the Combine. We're going to get into everything right now. We've published nine articles today. Now, we're recording this Wednesday evening. Um, We haven't decided yet whether or not it's going to publish Wednesday evening or first thing Thursday. So some of you might be hearing this for the first time Thursday. You probably will be hearing this for the first time Thursday. But Wednesday, it's 5.30 mountain time, and we've already published nine articles today. That's how we've been busting our hump, dog. That's right. And live streams and Facebook Live and now two podcasts coming at you for today and tomorrow. So cranking content like we promised we never disappoint Broncos country. So much, so much to get to today. And also one last note, too, is we, you know, we'll take some time and go hit everybody's questions and comments on the forums because the VIP forums, because so many of you have pulled the trigger and joined the tribe, the MHH 24-7 Sports Tribe, with that six for one uh, flash sale on VIP. So welcome aboard to all our new subscribers, our VIP members. We appreciate you. We love you. Thank you. So we're going to be hitting you on the forums and answering any of your questions. We have an open thread running right now for the Combine at MHH Insiders, the VIP forum. So check that out. So we got a lot to get to, but real quick, let Zach and I remind you guys, you got to follow the show on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. Really easy to do. Open up your phone right now. Take care of that business. We're approaching 1,000 followers on Twitter, which is great. We're proud of each and every follower that we have. But it's literally a fraction of the amount of people who actually listen to this show. So one of our goals, right, Zach, is we want to funnel as many of the people who are listening to the show onto Twitter as well because it helps with our reach and get our, our podcasts out to you and our analysis. So if you haven't taken the time to follow the show and you're a steady religious listener, take care of that. It takes one second. Just one hit second. that follow button and help us out. We bring you live content. 
every day. Um, we love bringing it to you guys. We, we need the support, so just hit that follow button. Now, in fairness, when we were live tweeting and whatnot from the podiums today in the, in the, in the pit, if you will, the media pit, we were mostly doing it from our individual accounts. Mm -hmm. But Huddle Up Pod was retweeting everything, and, and so you want to follow that. Also, take some time, leave a creative review, rate the show, especially crucial on iTunes, you guys. We appreciate it also on Stitcher, but iTunes, absolutely crucial. If that's how you listen to the show and you have not left a, cre a creative review and rated the show, especially five-star rating, you know, do your boys a solid. If you haven't done that, we're disappointed in you. If you have done that, you know we love you. All right, so, Zach, let's get to... Today, let's get to the meat and bones of our our day one experience at the combine, and it started out with fairly low key with Vic Fangio. Yeah, Fangio. Let's face it. it I mean, it was great to be there and, and see him in person and all that. It was, but he's about unspe as unspectacular in person <laughs> as he is, you know, watching him through YouTube or on the Denver Broncos video site. He was very tight-lipped with us, almost to the point of being a little defiant or combative. He was giving short answers. It didn't look like he was enjoying himself too much. Uh, we did glean a little insight into the Broncos' thinking, but uh, Fangio will make us work for every word. couple of, I mean, so not a lot of news coming from Fangio. With Elway, yes, and we're going to get to that. But first, we want to talk about Fangio. One of the few newsworthy items, though, that came from Fangio. He talked about the, his evaluation of Bradley Roby, who we know is about to hit unrestricted free agency. The Broncos drafted him in the first round in 2014. They optioned him for his fifth year, which he played out last year. So he's hitting unrestricted free agency. And we asked him, so what's going to happen uh, with Roby? What's your evaluation? And he basically said that, look, we're gonna see. We're gonna let him test the free agent market, see how it treats him, and then we're gonna stay in contact with him. We still have an interest in mm -hmm. him, but we'll see where that process takes us. Their thinking in Roby is like my thinking on Roby. It's a plan B for them. It's let, let, keep his number on standby, but we want to upgrade that spot. And even Elway mentioned that they have one solid corner in Chris Harris Jr. looking for number two right now. That was Bradley Roby, and he face planted last year. And they're going to let him go to free agency. If he signs, he signs. If he doesn't, he doesn't. They're in no hurry or rush. They're not going to kill themselves to bring him back. You know, one of the ways I interpret that is they've kind of, they're facing reality, and maybe Bradley Roby isn't. And what I mean by that is, that last year taught the Denver Broncos that he's not ready for star duty. He's not the next to keep to lead, but he's a more than serviceable number two or even number three corner. So if he goes out on the market, though, and finds a team willing to pay him number one money, Broncos are out. Right. But if he goes out on the market and finds that the type of money Denver's willing to pay him as a number two or number three is probably as good or better than what he can find on the market, you're probably going to see him back in Denver. I would even be surprised if they offered him and he accepted second-tier money, second-string money, number two money. They, he really wants to be paid like a starter, and he is not starting material, at least in Denver. Um, Fangio and Elway both mentioned that there's cornerbacks in free agency, cornerbacks in the draft. They are going to upgrade that spot, and it looks like Bradley Roby is just not in their future plans. Now, he also was asked directly, Fangio, whether or not he has spoken with Case Keenum recently, which was kind of an interesting question because, as you know, and we've good joked about it on the podcast over the last week since we made the announcement that we were going to be here together, that it was going to be fun to see Elway and Fangio squirm at the podium Same. with Flacco questions. Well, really, there weren't many. There, I can't even think of a Flacco question. They tried. They he tried. Said, You're I not going to get around me like right. that. That's what Fangio the old, said. The old end around. Yeah, the old sidewaysing him. But both guys, Elway and Fangio, answered and talked about Case Keenum. What? Fangio said about Keenum was that 
He was asked if he spoke to him recently. He said that, no, I haven't talked to him recently. I talked to him soon after I got to Denver. And basically, as, as it relates to the Keenum situation, you know, we'll see how that plays out in the next month or two. I mean, that's going on two months now that the head coach hasn't talked to his quarterback who's under contract for 2019. It doesn't bode well for Case Keenum. Obviously, he's not a future starter in Denver. That's now Joe Flacco. But it seems like with the Broncos, one hand doesn't know what the other hand is doing. Fangio said he hasn't talked to him, and Elway said that um, he would prefer to have him back and he'd be open to him being a backup with a reduced salary. So it seems like there's a disconnect there, and the head coach doesn't want him, and the GM kind of maybe he wants him to stick around. Right. The other thing, too, that he brought up, and these were probably the two most uh, newsworthy things that we jumped on besides Roby earlier today, is that, I mean, at least publicly, Fangio gushed about Emmanuel Sanders. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of interesting because VIP subscribers know that the day before the Combine, we published an article that was for subscribers only that referenced a source who told us, basically, that the Broncos still are dangling Sanders as a possible trade bait. And Vic Fangio, in his own way, refuted that. He said basically that hopefully Emmanuel Sanders will, will play a major role for us. Emmanuel is a hell of a player, been a highly productive receiver in the league for a long time. He was having an excellent year last year with the Broncos. We expect him to be back full speed. Now, some people could see that quote, Zach, and say, oh, well, that just means that everything, you know, MHH has been hearing is dead wrong. But the thing you got to keep in mind, too, you guys, is that if you were trying to trade Emmanuel Sanders, would you stand up at the combine at the podium and say, yeah, you know what, he's almost 32, uh, he's kind of been defiant all offseason, he's a little bit of a diva, and he's recovering from an Achilles. So, But yeah, we want to trade him. What's that going to do for your trade value, guys? Elway is smart enough to know that, like, just as you mentioned, Chad, his leverage is public. He can't give away the thought he's going to cut a player. It's the same thing he did with Keenum, in essence, which we just talked about. He still wants to keep his trade value, as minuscule as it may be, relevant, and within and hoping to get a pick for a player that might not be in their future plans. To me, though, bringing back Emmanuel Sanders, once he had that injury guarantee in his contract and he's coming off that Achilles, I mean, it's a no-brainer. But when he's healthy, and he should be back for week one, he's still that burner in this offense. They had to have that veteran mentor in the facility. He wanted to come back. It's his contract year. It's a perfect mentor. Um, To me, it's not surprising at all that Fangio likes what he sees. He also, Fangio, talked about Wolf, that he fully expects basically no change in the weather there, meaning that Wolf is under contract in 2019. Uh, and that he's going to remain with the Broncos. Now, that doesn't discount necessarily what we've heard and talked about the buzz that, you know, the Broncos might look to extend Fangio, or, uh, well, that the Broncos might look to extend Wolf, minimize or lower his 2019 cap, put that money, pay it forward into the future, extend him a couple years, and hopefully give him the opportunity to retire as a Bronco. And the number I wrote about on Wednesday is 10 because he was a 2012 draft pick. If he plays through 2021, that'll be his 10-year mark. Nice round, even number. I played a decade in the league. Hang it up. Yeah, he wants to stick around, but he doesn't want to take another haircut, to put it his way. I don't blame him. I mean, you have to get your money when you can. He did play all 16 games last year. He did stay healthy, and when he's on the field, he's still a very good player for the Broncos. So, to me, we know for a fact he'll be back for 2019, and that's good news for Denver's defense. He also talked Fangio about Matt Paradis in that he, at least, would very much like Matt Paradis back in the building. Of course. And then later on said, look, John can give you more details on, you know, on that whole issue when, when he takes to the podium later on today. And we'll get to what 
exactly what Elway had to say, which was a little bit more eloquent, gave us a few mu- a few more points of nuance to analyze. But clearly, Paradis is a player that Fangio respects. We'll see how much that how far that you know that goes in terms of having sway in terms of bringing him back. Like Benjamin Albright told us a few weeks back, the Broncos made an offer to to Paradis, but it was a low ball. In fact, it kind of dis- in his eyes was disrespectful. There have been reports since that he's going to find multi-year deals out there available to him. Ryan O'Halloran of the Denver Post said that, what was that tweet he said today? That he'll get a couple one-year contract offers. He might not break the bank. He might have to settle for a prove-it deal. I don't see that happening necessarily. No. But it's like what we said. Paradis wants to be the highest paid center in the NFL or near that number, and Elway's not going to come up to that. He's going to have to come down to Elway's number. I don't see that happening. The further they both engage in this negotiation, you saw it with Von Miller and, and, and John Elway in 2016. They get stuck in the mud, and it just seems like they're preparing for a life after Paradis. And Elway even referenced to me, which I found weird, his injury history. Right. And it seems like he, he's coming off a, a fractured fibula, which is not a great injury, but there's no ligament damage. There's no long-term concern. No. He played through double hip surgery. This guy who's been an Iron Man, and I thought the Broncos should have done right by him, but they're just not going to come up to that number, it seems like. You know, we'll, we I guess we're jumping the shark talking about what Elway said, but it's fine. If we're reading between the lines of what he was saying, to me... The fact that he went into such detail, using Paradis's injury history, he went as, out of his way almost. as a as a mitigating factor. That's you know we have to consider on this whole thing. It's like, well, what injury are you talking about? Are you talking about his broken leg, which is no big deal, or are you talking about the double hip surgery that you're still not sure if he's living on or playing on borrowed time? We talk about leverage. Maybe I just thought maybe he's trying to lower his leverage to the oh, yeah. Maybe he's trying to bring down his price. No I doubt. would never put it past Elway. He's as no. shrewd as they come. But no. right now, do not you know hold your breath on Paradis becoming the Broncos center in 2019. It's looking kind of unlikely as of right now. Now, the other interesting thing, and then we'll take a break, come back and hit Elway, is what Fangio had to say about Justin Simmons. Now, I'm going to read the full quote. He said uh, he was asked directly the direct question, was where he believes Justin Simmons has the most room to improve. Fangio's quote, Just overall, there's so much on a safety's plate to improve. There are many facets. Just play recognition, number one. Play entry, number two. Making plays on the ball, tackling. He's going to have to learn a new system now. There are a lot of areas to improve. Now, close quote. We talked about on the Facebook Live after the the day's proceedings that he does have a lot of potential. We wrote about it in the summer last last year that he's a dark horse for the Pro Bowl. Yep. But he just, because he was playing all over the place, he couldn't really hang his hat on one position and really excel, which set him back in terms of taking that quantum leap forward in, in year three like we saw Will Parks make. But while Will Parks didn't have nearly as much put on his plate as Justin Simmons did. So you see Fangio talking about Simmons having room to improve, but I think that also means, you guys, that Fangio is probably planning on, once again, relying on Simmons quite a bit. Not necessarily in the same way that... 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Fans Joseph and Joe Woods did last year where they're playing him at outside corner, nickel corner, playing him free, strong safety. <laughs> so more like he's going to be relied on to execute a specific task and to do so at a high level, which is should be music to Broncos country's ears. Well, look what Simmons dealt with last year, starting next to Darian Stewart, starting with the Broncos coaching staff and Vance Joseph and Joe Woods scheme. He had a, a lot on his plate, like you said, and not a lot of help and support. I took this as another shot kind of at Vance Joseph and saying that he can get more out of a player with Pro Bowl potential in Justin Simmons than the previous coaching staff can. And if there's anyone in the NFL who can coax that talent out of a talented player, it's Vic Fangio. The last thing I want to touch on, actually, just I just reminded myself going through the notes here, is what Fangio had to say about Chris Harris. So mm. when he was introduced, it was kind of cool, after Fangio was introduced back in January, you saw guys like Vaughn Miller... Derek Wolf going down, hugging him up, shaking his hands, things like that. Even Emmanuel Sanders was there, but of course Sanders was there because he's still rehabbing his Achilles. But mostly it was all defenders hanging out there, right? Harris, I don't remember seeing Chris Harris in the room, and I could be wrong on that particular moment. So we finally got to hear Fangio talk about Chris Harris, and here's what he said, quote, how, and this is a, a question that was asked to him in this way, how can you put Chris Harris Jr. in a position to make more plays? Fangio answered thusly, quote, just mixing things up, give him the ability to play multiple coverages. Because he's an experienced and savvy guy, I think he can excel in that way, close quote. So you're giving Chris Harris Jr. kind of the quarterback's prerogative to choose what coverage he's going to run. I'm not sure exactly what it means by that, but what we do know about Harris is he's going to be a great scheme fit for Fangio because he is one of those rare inside nickel type of corners who can man up. But he also is a very instinctual player in terms of being able to sink back into a zone and just make plays on the ball and plays on routes in front of him. So it's pretty exciting to hear. And he wants to play more outside coverage. He's been on record as saying he wants to play more outside cornerback. And I love this because moving him outside frees up the Broncos to sign another slot guy. And Bryce Callahan from the Bears, Vic Fangio's pupil, who had a breakout year last year, you put him and Chris Harris here on the same defense, that no-fly zone is back to being a, a top-notch unit once again. So um, I love this. I am all for this. Maximize his talent. Chris Harris Jr. can do it all. And the more you move him around, the more you confuse offenses, the better you're going to be. So Fangio, once again, you know, it was it, he did his thing at the podium. Then he went and he hit the, the national television. Then he went and hit national radio. And then he did a, another little side session. And uh, so it wasn't all that much more revealing in his little local media side session than it was at the podium. That was Fangio. On the other side of this break, we're going to really sink our teeth into the meat and potatoes of the day's proceedings with what John Elway had to say at the podium. We'll be right back. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. All right, Zach. So Vic Fangio, it was kind of like coitus interruptus almost. It was like, you know, we're getting really pumped to hear Fangio speak, and he hardly says anything. Right. Like, if we're being honest and frank, if we weren't such nerds as it relates to Broncos football and football in general, you know, we're really digging to find things to talk about in Fangio's initial remarks. 
Elway, though, he gave us plenty. Oh, he gave us tons of information. It was it was quite the experience. Um, first things first, he he's really uh, you can tell that Elway is quite pleased and excited about Philip Lindsay. He was asked right out of the gates whether or not he thinks Philip Lindsay's durability is in question because, as we know, he's um, he's short, he's light, and he got injured at the end of the season after his prolific Pro Bowl campaign. Elway basically said that, as it relates to Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman, that they feel really good as a team about both of them. They're a good combination. One's power, one's change of pace. The size difference that the Broncos have gives them a, a you know versatility options. But he said we have big plans for Philip as well as Royce to get them both involved in the passing game as well as the run game. And then he also said that he thinks Philip. Lindsey proved this past year that he can run between the tackles, which he did very well. And I don't think there's any question and that, that, that he can definitely do that. But we still have to wonder whether or not Elway's right, that he's durable enough to play. He's certainly tough. He's certainly scrappy. But can his body hold up to the wear and tear? That's a question that we don't have an answer to yet because he finished the, albeit one and a half games, whatever it was, on injured reserve. He's not going to ever be a 25-carry-a-game guy, but he can give you 18 carries a game, and you have the perfect complement, the perfect thunder to his lightning in Royce Freeman. That's what Elway said. That's what Fangio said. They are both hitting at a running back by committee in 2019. Fangio said there's more than enough work to go around this year. They want all three running backs to get involved because most Broncos fans think with Joe Flacco they're going to be throwing the ball 50 times a game. No, this is an offense that still goes through its ground game. That's still its bread and butter. Philip Lindsay, a pro bowler. Freeman was a third-round draft pick. You have Booker who came on last year. You put those things together, that's the heart and soul of your offense. The Broncos, I still believe, as much of a pleasant surprise as Philip Lindsay was last year. Let's face it, he was making hay long before Freeman went down with that injury, right. but he wasn't featured as the man till Freeman went down. What does that tell you? To me, I interpret that as meaning that, look, Royce was our third-round draft choice. We like Philip Lindsay. He's now a distinguished Pro Bowl running back of the Denver Broncos, but don't think the Broncos in any way, shape, or form are somehow throwing in the towel on Royce Freeman or planning on having him take even a back seat to Philip Lindsay. Like, it might sound like blasphemous, but it would not surprise me if Royce Freeman remains the starting running back in this offense, but kind of in a nominal sense where he starts on you know down one, first down, and they're basically rotating in 50-50 because Elway, he loves his guys that uh, he invested draft picks in, and the unfortunate reality for him or for uh, for Freeman, is he got hurt, whatever that was, week nine. Mm. So they, and then when he came back, remember that first half of the season, he was explosive, dude. It was that ankle injury. That his ankle just, explosion. Yeah. He had nothing after he looked like a completely different player. So I'm interested to see how, how it shakes out, but obviously the Broncos have big plans for both guys. It's a great point you made because we weren't even seeing Philip Lindsay for the first half of the season. We were begging to see more of him. It was a Royce Freeman show. That's your early down banger. And the ankle injury, those high ankles, they last a while. He was not the same player last year, and Lindsay just, he wally pipped him. But this year, Royce Freeman's healthy. Lindsay is now on the shelf, so they're going to see a little bit of the tables turn. Either way, both running backs and Booker will be involved heavily this year. You heard it from Elway and Fangio today. The next question that was served up to Elway is what the plan is officially for Sanders and Derek Wolf. We touched on this with what Fangio had to say, but <laughs> Elway basically backed that up. They're going to exercise both options on their, their contract seasons. 
And when he was asked why, it was kind of a banal response, but he said, they're good football players. That's why we plan on exercising them. Different situations, respectively, but we're planning on exercising both of those. What do you think he meant by that, Zach? When he he almost qualified the last statement, he goes, they're, you know, Derek Wolf and, and Emmanuel Sanders, they're different situations, but we're planning on exercising both contracts. I wonder what that can mean, other than Wolf not being under contract beyond 2019. But neither is Sanders. That's true. I don't, and they're both injured. They're both uh, veteran, overpaid players. I am not sure reading into that too much about what he meant. All I do know is I agree with him. They're both very good football players. They will help the Broncos if they stay healthy. Uh, the other thing is, you know, we've talked about the idea of Derek Wolf possibly being approached for an extension. What about Chris Harris? We've touched on mm. that as a possibility as well. We've received questions from fans about that as well. I would do it. Elway, yeah, I mean, it's a no-brainer, but Elway said, at least publicly, that he's not put any thought into that just yet and basically said, Zach, that they're going to wait until the they're through the first wave of free agency before really taking a look at extending Chris Harris Jr., which I wouldn't necessarily go so far as to say is a big mistake because it's not necessarily going to cost him anything, but why not get a question like that answered now and and perhaps negotiate now on a deal that you can get him if you're planning on extending him the sooner the better because that at least tells you what you're working with in your checkbook and a certain extension that is is structured the right way by their cap wizard Mike Sullivan Lowers might lower number. the cap number right. this year give him more money in the first wave of free agency so it's kind of confusing situation that he would respond that way. It, to me, this was a smokescreen. I mean, he's going to meet with him at the combine or his agents and do right by Chris Harris Jr. This is a Pro Bowl cornerback and a slot Pro Bowl cornerback, which are hard to find. He's been nothing but good for Denver. Um, a guy who was a, a, a former written-off guy, now is a household name. I would lock him down. He still can play at a very, very high level, and you have no one left in that secondary. Robe is a free agent. Tremaine Brock is a free agent. Tamar Taylor is a free agent. You can't count on anyone, so why not take care of the one guy you can count on? That's what I would do. Especially where he's going into a contract here. I mean, this is just... you. you Chris Harris is one of the OGs. Reward him. Take you, care of him. you got to take care of him. And I, we said the same thing about Matt Paradis. And then it was like all of a sudden he was injured and all of a sudden the Broncos have options. They soured him quickly, it seems But like. it's not apples to apples. Yeah. You don't have anything. Let's face it, behind Chris Harris, it's Isaac Yadam, which is a <laughs> Paul, you know, I mean, it's like a fraction of what Chris Harris brings to the table. And then a major, you know, you're off the cliff. There's nothing there. So you got to... You got to lock that up if you want to give your secondary and your cornerback depth any kind of stability going forward and something to build around besides just 2019. Another thing I take out of this comment, and he said it a couple times, the Broncos are going to be very aggressive this offseason in getting a cornerback or two. That's free agency and the draft. Do not be surprised if the Broncos spend decent money for someone like Bryce Callahan and double dip at number 10 with someone like Greedy Williams or DeAndre Baker. This is a big, big roster need right now. They have literally no one left in that secondary behind Chris Harris Jr., who's injured. Um, I would not be surprised they put a major point of emphasis on corner this offseason. The next thing he talked about, I wrote about in an article on Wednesday, which to me was actually quite fascinating. At first, I took what I'm about to report to you guys here as a sign that it means the Broncos are off on the quarterback hunt at pick 10. But the more I've marinated on it, the more I've thought about it, I'm not as certain as my gut was telling me earlier today. And Zach and I talked about it privately. But here's what he said. Basically, the question that was leveled at Elway was from a dude who said, look, 
you know, a lot of people are, are talking up the 2020 quarterback class as if it's, you know, the bee's knees. Do you agree with that? And what do you think about 2019's class, in other words? And he said, quote, we're still in the process of studying them, meaning the 2019 class. We'll keep looking at them. I think that there are a lot of people excited about next year's class, but we're going to spend the time on this year's class and see where we come out on that. I think there's some good players in this draft, too. Now, you know, you got Justin Herbert coming out next year. You got Tua. You got Fromm. So, once again, it's kind of a top-heavy class. I don't know that any of those guys are more of guaranteed or bona fide franchise guys than the guys at the top of this class, but it's perceived that way in the media, and yet we have Elway saying, look, we still think this class has some good players in it too. Yeah, and until April rolls around, we can't rule out the Broncos drafting a quarterback, but this says to me that they think next year's class is great, and this year's class... Eh, it's okay. I mean, they're not going to trade up for a quarterback. I think anything in Elway's comments said that. They're not going to mortgage the future when they know it's a weak class and they know next year's class is much, much stronger. They're going to do their due diligence, scout the prospects, Drew Locke, Dwayne Haskins, Murray, even though he's not really an option for Denver, and they'll go from there. I just think he's hedging his bets, and I came away from his press today firmly believing they, they think they can compete with Joe Flacco, and I mean compete now in 2019. No question. No question. And, you know, only time will tell whether or not they're delusional <laughs> as it regards that. But as you, if you guys have been following uh, the podcast and what I've been writing on, on the website as it relates to Joe Flacco, I think there's a lot of potential there, but you just can't get your hopes up or in any way delude yourself into thinking this is the second coming of Peyton Manning. Because like Zach said, there are some fans, we even saw some of them today on Facebook Live, who are under the assumption that with Joe Flacco and that big arm comes another 55 touchdowns in 2019, Mm -hmm. which that's just not going to happen. But can you win with Joe Flacco with the model that John Elway prefers? And what is that model? Go back in time to 1996 and 97 where you have a good offensive line, a veteran quarterback, a prolific running game, just enough talent at the skill positions. I mean, let's not take anything away from Shannon Sharp. He is a Hall of Famer. But at the wide receiver positions, I mean, I'm of the opinion Rod Smith, just for his accomplishments, and he's a 10,000-yard receiver, and he was undrafted, deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. But still, they weren't exactly, you know, first ballot guys, former first-rounders. This wasn't Jerry Rice and John Taylor that John Elway was making, winning back-to-back Super Bowls with. But that model, the flip side of it was on the defensive side, a very stingy, very smothering type of defense that had two great edge rushers in Alfred Williams and Neil Smith. And so they tried to duplicate that model to great success in 2015. Now the offense in 2015 with a debilitated Manning was nowhere near as good as Elway's back-to-back championship offense. But it's that model that Elway clearly believes is a winning prototype in the NFL. So can you imagine you're you're stuffing Joe Flacco into that into that infrastructure, right? You're playing him under center, you're leaning on the running game, you've you've protected him, you've you've invested in the offensive line a little bit. We just got done talking about the young talented running backs they have. And you spend most of your free agent dollars upgrading the defense, the middle of the defense especially, and cornerback. I could see Joe Flacco coming in with better coaching and helping the Broncos win 10 or 11 games. Will it be enough to dethrone the Kansas City Chiefs? At this point, I can't say that it will. I don't, I don't see it. But games aren't played in you know February. On, on paper. Or on paper. You've heard us talk about that before. 
I mean, I just think if you have to have all those things aligned for Joe Flacco, he's not the right quarterback for this team. If you have to have a perfect running game, he has to stay healthy. You have to have a good run, uh, offensive line, good wide receivers. That's not a franchise quarterback. You have to have that quarterback win because of him, not in spite of right. him. Right, raises all shit. Right, and the Broncos have not had that. And we said the same exact thing about Case Keenum last year. With better coaching, he'll be better than Simeon. better coaching, right. he'll be a playoff team. Right. And it, it's not played like that. I'm confident that the Broncos' coaching staff is better than last year. It's not saying much because this microphone is due. But, <laughs> uh, you know, until that is proven on the field, I just can't got, get behind him as the savior for the franchise. Speaking of which, here's what Elway said about Case Keenum what he expects Case Keenum's role to be, which so was weird. kind of a dumb question. but And the responses were kind of all over the place. <laughs> he said, we don't know yet. This is what he said publicly at the podium. We don't know yet. As I told Case when I talked to him, the different options, that we are going to work with him and give him time to think about it. We'll circle back with Case and see where he is and go from there. So in other words, a whole lot of nothing. Here's what I interpret. Now, this isn't what I've been told. This is how I interpret what Elway said today. I interpret the whole, we're giving him different options, and then we'll circle back and see where he is and go from there. What I think that means is they said, look, Case, we're open to keeping you here if you take a massive pay cut like down to one or two, maybe three million tops. You're not going to start. You're going to be the backup. If you don't like that, we can either straight up cut you or, you know, maybe we'll trade you. If you want to request a trade, we'll help you explore a trade, blah, blah, blah. That's how I interpret what he said, the different options. He's biding his time right now. He's trying to keep Keenum's trade value, whatever it is, relatively high. He's trying not to make any rash decisions. He's trying to get through the combine and see if there's a taker out there for Case Keenum. And if there is, they'll trade him. If not, they'll probably cut him. Um, it seems like he almost realized mid-sentence, though, what he was saying, that he might do more damage than good talking out loud. But it's a foregone conclusion to me. They're not going to keep him around. I don't see Keenum taking a massive pay cut when there's a market form in place. But like I said earlier, it doesn't seem like one hand knows what the other is doing. The head coach doesn't want him, and the GM is playing footsie with them. It doesn't really make sense. You know, I mean, one thing is for sure. Case Keenum at least has some leverage that, look, you guys signed me to a two-year, $36 million deal, $25 million guaranteed. I'm on the books for $7 million this year. I'm not taking anything less because you guys probably made – they probably made him some promises about this year, to be yeah. honest with you. And so I'm not taking anything less than what you promised me. And, uh, you know, trade me. That's what it's going to come down to. The question is, is Elway going to be able to find any takers? And if he doesn't, if he, even for a fifth or sixth or seventh round pick, just in a salary dumping move, they should cut him and move on with a young quarterback. There's no reason to keep Flacco and Keenum on board, no matter how much they cost. Uh, here's the full extent. And when Zach and I were talking earlier about what Elway said regarding Matt Paradis with the injury thing, that was kind of bizarre just the way he said it. He said, quote, in terms of hoping whether or not they can re-sign Matt Paradis. Elway said, we are hoping we can re-sign Matt, but we'll have to see where Matt falls. We've told him that we'd like to have him back. Remember, we told you they offered him a contract in December, but he's coming off a pretty significant injury. Not really. <laughs> we have to evaluate that process. Matt has been a great warrior for us for four years, but obviously with the injury that he did have, that changes the thought process, hence the low ball offer. We'll have to see where that falls. 
is exactly what I said. They have a number, and Paradis has a number, and he's waiting to see if Paradis will come down to it. I don't know why he mentioned his injury. Maybe just to torpedo his value, but it's a fractured fibula. It's not pretty, but it's it's healed. He's ahead of schedule. It's been documented. So it was weird that Elway went so out of his way to kind of try to lower his value. It says to me that don't expect Paradis to be with the Broncos next year. Yeah. Uh, here's what he said. Now, both... It was interesting. Both Fangio and Elway were asked about the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. Both of them, you know, paid their respects, if you will, to the defending division champions. But here's what Elway said specifically about a divisional opponent like Kansas City and how he can build a team that can compete against a Leviathan of Mahomes' caliber. He said, quote, I think that we try to look at our strengths and our weaknesses and build the best football team we can for the Broncos. Obviously, they're in our division. They have a very good football team, and Patrick had a tremendous year last year. It's going to be something that we're going to have to deal with for a long time. The bottom line is that we're going to try to do what's best for the Denver Broncos. And as and always, as usual, our first goal is to win the division, and that's going to go through Kansas City. So He's acknowledging what's it been now. The last time the Broncos beat the Chiefs was week two of 2015. Mm-hmm. So you do the math on how many consecutive wins that is now. I think it's seven for the Kansas City Chiefs. And you got to kiss the ring in that sense and say, look, you know, but we're coming for you. We're doing everything we can to come for you. The question is, does Joe Flacco move the needle? No, they're going to need to continue to add. That's why it really can be disheartening the idea that the Broncos can talk themselves out of taking a quarterback at pick 10 because there are some exciting players. And one thing you talked about too, my goodness, we got to talk about this. Kyler Murray oh, is off the table. Don't hold dude. your breath, Broncos fans. He's off happening. the table. We yeah. might as well just stop talking about Kyler Murray. I know there's some questions in the mailbag that we're going to get to for tomorrow's uh, episode for Friday's podcast. But long story short, Elway waxed poetic went on and on about why height is so important in his prototype for a quarterback. And basically what it came down to, he repeated himself a few times, kind of meandered in a long, winding remark. Basically he said that, look, a tall quarterback can see at the uh, from the line of scrimmage under center. He can see the field, whereas short quarterbacks, if they're not in shotgun, they can't see. And we know you look at what he's done as far as his track record, Brock Osweiler was a giraffe. Paxton Lynch was a giraffe. <laughs> Peyton Manning was six foot five. John played at six foot three and some change. So he likes the big guys, and that ain't about to change, especially if he rolls the dice on a quarterback in the top ten. And especially in Scangarello's offense, where a lot of under center play action elements, that's right. and that's how Kyler Murray thrives. And so it was. We told you it was always a long shot that Murray would jive with this system, but now it's it's not a possibility at all. He's not coming to the Broncos. Yep. He didn't really want to talk about Justin Herbert. He did answer a question on the topic, but he basically said, look, Justin chose to go back to college. He's a great football player. Uh, So we're evaluating this class and the people that are going out right now, and we'll go from there. Obviously, I I think fans and media maybe, I shouldn't say fans, I think media have made a lot more out of the whole Justin Herbert thing. He doesn't seem to have the wherewithal mentally, Zach. Like if... Fans, if you want to see what I'm talking about, go on to YouTube and just search some Justin Herbert interviews from Oregon Ducks last season. And you can just see when he talks at the podium, he feels more like a speaking as like a high school kid than he does a college kid about to go pro. So he just needs some maturity, maybe some self-confidence, because he does have all the talent in the world. 
I've seen him play in person. He's a very talented and impressive player to watch, but he still he made the right decision. I think if he would have come out this year, he's just not mature enough to contend with the big boys, with the adults. He's also not a once-in-a-generation talent either. He's not like going to be the franchise savior just because you draft him. He's not Andrew Luck. I mean, you put him in last year's draft class, you wonder if he's in the third or fourth quarterback coming off the board. Elway translated to me saying this, if we don't take Drew Locke this year, we'll look at Justin Herbert next year. I think it's as simple as that. Um, one interesting thing I just caught here going through the, the quotes from Elway is when he was asked about the depth at cornerback in this draft, he said that we think there are some corners in this draft. We think it's a rather deep class, so that's an option. But there's also an option in free agency, too. I wonder who he's alluding to there, A. Mm. So put a pin in that for a second. Obviously, we know that with Chris coming back, that we've got a solid number one. We just got to go find some depth there. In other words, not Isaac Yadam quite yet. Or and Langley. Fi- or Langley, and find a number two. So, yeah, he's saying, yeah, the draft's an option. Sounds like to me they plan on spending some money on corner in free agency. He said option, not options. Right. So there's obviously has a some name guy. in mind. Bryce Callahan, yeah. Kareem Jackson, one of those guys could be an option for Denver. But yeah, that's why I said earlier, they have a starting cornerback in Chris Harris Jr. They do not have anything beyond him, so they're going to be very, very aggressive. Do not be surprised at all if they double dip this offseason. Some breaking news from him earlier today. He kind of backtracked on it, but out of the gates, he was asked directly about Jared Velder by Troy Rank. And he mentioned how they have already begun talking to Billy Turner. We knew that. Uh, but then he also said, and Jared Velder, yeah, we want him back as well. And then toward the end, he started talking about, you know, those are all scenarios we're going through, solving those issues. Coach speak. We'll see where we end up, blah, blah, blah. But that's really the first time we've heard anything indicative of Denver having a desire to bring Belder back. I mean, he was pretty good for them last year. He finally stabilized that spot after so many years, it seemed like. And um, he was solid. But he is a free agent. The Broncos can do better. They have Juwan James on the open market. They tried trading for him last year. They're going to keep him in their back pocket, like Bradley Roby. It's, if they can't find anyone, we'll call you. If we don't hear from you, or you don't hear from us, we moved on. It's as simple as that. They can do worse than having Valdir, but I would seriously look into Juwan James or upgrading that spot with a guy who can man the position for 10 or 12 years. That's right. So I think that their first option, honestly, from a cost analysis perspective, is going to be to try to bring back Valdir. Yeah. And if they think he's going to want more money than they're willing to pay him, then they'll look at a Juwan James and having to up their money. Because if they're going to spend, spend, you might as well go with the young guy who's got better upside. Right. right? So that makes more sense, uh, or plenty of sense. Then here's the last thing, and then we're going to get out of here for today's episode. It was our first chance, really. When we heard Elway talk last, before the Combine, he was introducing Vic Fangio. At that point, Gary Kubiak was still very much a part of the conversation. Since then, we all know Kubiak's departed. Vic Fangio and him kind of had a falling out or didn't see eye to eye. Elway backed Fangio, and Kubiak now is in Minnesota. He was asked directly about how's your relationship or can you tell us what happened with Gary Kubiak's departure. He said, quote, Gary and I have been together for a long, long time, and I've got a great deal of respect for Gary and always will have a great deal of respect and will be great friends. But it was just a situation that didn't work out between us. I wish him the best up in Minnesota. I'm sure they'll have a lot of success up there, but I'm happy also with the way that everything fell for us too. Now, I wrote an article 
when end of last week when Kubiak spoke for the first time as a Viking, and he was asked similarly about why he departed. He didn't go into detail, but we know the real reason why this happened. Gary Kubiak wanted to bring back Rick Dennison and tight ends coach Brian Periani. Now, I don't think Periani was necessarily the deal breaker, but Rick Dennison over Mike Munchak mm. and Gary Kubiak's kind of stubbornness. And, you know, Kub's great and he's done a lot for this organization, but let's also remember that he's kind of brought a lot of drama to this, yep. this organization as well. Like, it wasn't Elway's fault that they had to go out, and now it's his fault that they hired Vance Joseph, but it wasn't Elway's fault that they had to go looking for a new head coach one year removed from winning a world championship. That was on Gary Kubiak. It wasn't just about his health. It was an odd power play there, too, because Elway wanted him to fire Rick Dennison, mm-hmm. among some other assistants. So, But it was interesting to hear that Elway kind of address it publicly for the first time and also, you know, talk about his relationship still being strong, apparently, with Gary. But instead of really – he did mention friends. We'll always be great friends, and I believe that. But he talked more about the respect he has for Gary. It's a business. The NFL is strictly a business. It's not personal. There's no bad blood between them. But this screams to me. It's saying, have fun with Gary Kubiak and Rick Dennison. We'll take Rick Scangarello and Mike Munchak, and they're happy with the direction they're going in. And I still – Praise Elway for backing out of that arrangement with Kubiak and evolving and going with the younger coordinator. Yeah. So it was a phenomenal, phenomenal first day at the Combine. Great experience. Zach, what do you think, just as not necessarily Bronco-related, but for our listeners' sake, what was uh, you know your biggest wow moment being at the Combine? You got guys like Shefty walking right, by. Right, yeah, rubbing you elbows. Know, you're, you're literally rubbing el- elbows with big media people as well as you know, walking right next to and past and talking to NFL GMs and coaches and even former players. We had a neat little conversation with Steve Outwater in which I told him, by the way, that I sacrificed a goat to the football gods. (laughs) And it wasn't Peyton Manning. So that he, yeah, it wasn't Peyton, (laughs) so that he could get into the Hall of Fame. And uh, he he looked at me and said, what, you did what? It was was kind of a funny moment. But uh, what was your biggest, you know, if you're you're trying to convey – your aha moment for for day one of the combine, what would you tell our listeners? Honestly, just walking in there and seeing those people that you've deified on Twitter, that you follow, the big media types, the big celebrities, the players, the coaches, they're all in front of you, and they look like ordinary people. They're not these gods that you make them out to be, but they're right there. Um, You see film crews and NFL Network and ESPN. and It's just a tremendous experience. I could not feel more blessed to be a part of it, and I can't wait to come back. The funny thing about it is both of us, we, we remarked, you know, you get there and at first, your eyes are wide as saucers, and you're just kind of soaking it all in. And you don't really ever stop soaking it all in. But at a certain point, you become desensitized. A little bit. And you're like, this is, I got a job to do. Yeah, I'm and, working now. And here I am. Yeah, you know? get out of my way. But it's still a great experience. <laughs> and you know what? If it wasn't for you guys, if it wasn't for our listeners, our readers, our subscribers uh, at Mile High Huddle 24-7 Sports. We would not be here. We enough. wouldn't be here. So we thank, thank you guys. guys. Uh, but that'll do it for today's episode of the Huddle Up Podcast. As always, follow the show on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod. You can find my partner, Zach Kelberman, at Kelberman247, myself at Chad and Jensen. We'll be back tomorrow with a VIP mailbag addressing all the questions and concerns on the minds of the subs at Mile High Huddle 24-7 Sports. In the meantime, be good. We'll talk to you then. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.